Welcome to Crywolf. This is your host, Sam, bringing you the very first episode of the podcast, which is so exciting. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have one of my best friends in the entire world as a guest today, the amazingly talented and all-around wonderful Lindsay Romaine. Hi, Lindsay. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for talking to me. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a writer for Nerdist. (laughs) That's my main thing. Um, Yeah, and I've been covering Game of Thrones for creepily like 10 years-ish, like since it really started. So um, that was kind of the thing that kickstarted my career. So I don't know that's the most interesting thing about me, but it's a big part of my life and about my career. I started writing about it, covering the second season and I've written about it straight through since then. So yeah, <laughs> that's that's me. <laughs> did you know about Game of Thrones prior to that? Or did you start watching it because of the coverage? I started... So the first season had come out when before I started writing about it. I did not cover the first season. And I remember very clearly the first time I watched it, I was staying at my great aunt Nancy's house for Christmas and it was all on demand and I had heard good things about it. So I watched it the whole entire season that night and was just like obsessed with it right away. And I went home and immediately read all the books that were out to that point, which was the first five. And so I was really prepared by the time the next season came around. I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I really want to like find a way to incorporate this into what I do. So I started pitching stories for it and stuff. And Yeah, but I I didn't have an awareness of it until the show, honestly, besides a friend of mine. I remember when we watched, like, the trailers for the HBO, or the HBO trailers for the the show. She had read the books and was very, like, vocal about how good they were. So that was my my first awareness of it was through her. And then, yeah, (laughs) it was a a wild ride. I got screeners for the second season. Um. (laughs) And was just obsessed from that point on. Yeah. Were you doing any writing about shows prior to that? No. <laughs> that's that's what's crazy. And that's like when I say that Game of Thrones like started my career, it literally did. Because before that, I was working in like a really boring office job. I loved my coworkers. I shouldn't say totally boring. I, I did have like a good job, but... I didn't love what I was doing. I wasn't very inspired. And so when that show came out, it was like the first time that I started freelancing for TV stuff. So I did recaps for this site. I wasn't even getting paid, but I got paid in screeners. So um, they would give me the screeners and then I had to write recaps. And that's what started 
me off on what I do now, which is covering pop culture. So it's it's an emotional show for me, which is like I literally wouldn't have any of the stuff I have now if it wasn't for Game of Thrones. So that's why I'm super happy to be on this podcast because <laughs> I know it's all about emotional Game of Thrones things. That's amazing. Yeah. It's insane yeah. too to think, you know, we know each other because of Game of Thrones, which, yeah. and like, yeah. which is crazy because I can't imagine you not being a part of my life. It's it's really, really strange to think about that. And the fact that, I mean, you're such an amazing writer and I feel like your coverage is is fantastic. So it's it's just odd to think of, of that being any different in any other way. <laughs> yeah, I, it's so weird to me. I have so many friends in my life where I'm like, I do know, like, the baseline of our friendship is that we met through Game of Thrones, but it doesn't feel like that's how we know each other. It just feels like we've always known each other. So when I do, like, kind of step back and look at this show and think, holy shit, like, 90% of my, like, friends group is because of this. It's crazy. (laughs) And it's just kind of, like, beautiful in a weird way that it evolved beyond just, like, this TV show that I covered for fun when I was bored at my, like weird desk job (laughs) I was like 23 years old and now it's like all my best friends and everything that I do spiraled off of that yeah I mean you know it's the same for me it's yeah kind of amazing so I think it's great you and I didn't technically meet at the first con of thrones um but you came to the bar that we watched Game of Thrones at after Con of Thrones and that was when yeah. we became friends. It was so weird. I will never forget that night too and I, <laughs> I, I won't forget it for a, a number of reasons and the first of all is because I was not going to go. Like I remember I was on the phone with my sister and I was just kind of I remember I'd had a can of the Sofia Coppola like <laughs> <laughs> those little like wine spritzers so I was like a tiny bit buzzed and I was just like those like cool Burlington videos are filmed in Chicago and (laughs) it's like not that far from where I live. And I was like, and I met some of the people at Con of Thrones. I was like, I should just go. And my sister was like, why wouldn't you go? And I was like, I don't know. I have to stay home. And she's like, no, why wouldn't you go? (laughs) And I was like, well, fuck it. Okay. (laughs) So I got a lift and I went right over without even thinking about it. And I remember I met you right away. I remember walking through the door and you just like, turned to me and I was like oh I'm good I'm with my people (laughs) it was crazy no I feel like I I remember seeing you and feeling endeared to you immediately so it's I didn't expect to cry this early in this podcast (laughs) but it's it's been really amazing uh the same for me that I mean I'm I'm so glad that you're my first guest if only because your presence in my life has changed it in such a beautiful way and it's one of my absolute favorite gifts that Game of Thrones has given me is, I mean, I love the show so much, but the the things that it has given me outside of that have been so monumentally life-changing. And so I'm really excited. Me too. I know it's, I'm not, you know me, I'm not like a super emotional <laughs> person, but sometimes it cracks me. <laughs> like sometimes talking about this stuff, like I'm just like, man, yeah, it does make you really reflect on on everything like it's more than just a show for a lot of us it's like a whole fucking thing yeah (laughs) it's a whole group of of people that 
you know, we get to spend so much time with. It's really lovely. Yeah. So about Game of Thrones or a little bit about it. Do you have a favorite character in the series? I do. I've, so I've been thinking about this because I I, <laughs> I was like, I could go in a number of directions mm-hmm. with what I know you want to talk about. But I did decide I really wanted to talk about my two favorite characters who are kind of in tandem with each other, which is Catelyn Stark and Sansa Stark. I knew They're it. my two favorites. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I thought for a minute about going the Brienne route, who's my other favorite character, who's also kind of tied to them. But I was like, no, like Sansa's really been my continuous favorite throughout and Catelyn plays a lot into that so those are my two faves and I I don't even really know why you know sometimes you're just kind of like drawn to characters and you're kind of like why do I like these people (laughs) I don't know um I'm sure we can talk about why yeah what 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 is it that draws you to them and and when did that start was it like immediate were you always you know specifically drawn to them no, I I don't know who I was, like, super... I think in the first season, I was, like, maybe most drawn to Ned, just because I was a Lord of the Rings fan, so mm-hmm. I loved Sean Bean. <laughs> I, I feel like... It's weird. Lord of the Rings has drawn me into, like, my two two of my favorite shows, which one is Game of Thrones, the other is Lost, which Dominic Monaghan was on. Um, so I started watching kind of out of loyalty to him. So I think I felt really indebted to the Starks just because of my connection to him right away. But I don't know when I, I think it was in the second season when I first started really loving Catelyn and it was reading the books too, really helped me orient myself in like her headspace where it's like, she's not just this cruel, you know, that it's kind of, she's painted in broad strokes at first where you think like, Oh, she's just this like bitchy mom who doesn't like John because whatever. And once you kind of spend some time with her, you realize that's she's this woman who's such a product of her time and of her location and of her family, which is loyalty is such a huge part of that. And John represents disloyalty. So that's her biggest flaw, really, is that there's this person who represents everything that is the anti what her family represents. So I think I felt really drawn to that, which is that we're all these human beings who just sometimes have these weaknesses that are so strong and so over overwhelming (laughs) that it makes you look like a worse person than you are. And she's not that. And I think Sansa is her, obviously her child, but kind of the next generation's representation of that flaw, which is just being too focused on perfection Mm -hmm. and, and letting that one thing that makes you feel less perfect be too overcompassing. So I think I just was drawn to that for some reason that I don't really know. I think reading the books definitely, again, got me in her, her headspace. And I think watching the development of those two characters kind of simultaneously just really spoke to things, to maybe to my own issues, <laughs> you know, where it's like sometimes you're a complete human being, but you just have like one or two things that are holding you back. Or one or two things that make you feel less than perfect. And yeah, I think that's what I was most drawn to. That was going to be my next question is, are those traits that you just described, are those things that you identify with personally? I think they are. I don't think that it's as clear cut as they are on that show. I don't I don't have like 
a bastard <laughs> stepson. <laughs> so it's not like a direct thing. But I think just watching Kat kind of work through these generational things, you know, like, so her whole issue with John is that she always, she loves Ned and to her, John represents Ned's lack of loyalty to her. And I think feeling betrayed by someone in your family is something that I relate to. I don't know if it's a direct thing so much as it's like a, it's just conveyed within her story metaphorically for me. But I do think like the Catelyn stuff with John just feels like he represents her ultimate vulnerability. And I think I have lots of vulnerabilities. And so I just recognize that in some way, even if it's not direct. And I recognize it as a woman who is otherwise so strong and otherwise so, you know, who you would expect to be kind of a hero in this story. And her one flaw is that she can't see past this thing. And it's what makes people kind of hate her when they're reading it. But it's like, there's so much that goes into why she feels that way. And yeah, so again, Sansa kind of represents the next generation version of that. But Sansa's almost even Catelyn like times 10 where it's like she's been raised to be this certain way and to think these certain things and the whole series her whole arc is unlearning what she's always thought she has to be and I relate to that so deeply (laughs) I don't know who can't you know when you're a child you you think that you know exactly who you want to be and exactly what you want to be and growing up is learning to un realize that like realizing that that shit's not in your control (laughs) and so many things are gonna fuck with you until you get to who you're supposed to be and Sansa is just like a perfect representation of that and Catelyn also so I think that's why I really love them I also love them because they're redheads and I'm a redhead (laughs) I can't act like that doesn't play into it (laughs) but yeah just to be honest (laughs) it's perfect (laughs) When was it, if you weren't immediately drawn to Sansa specifically, when was it that you started to, like, come around? I know exactly when it was, which was, it's in the finale of the first season, when Joffrey says something about, he says that line to her about Ned's head being on a spike, and she says, I can't remember the exact line, but she says... Yeah, no, you say it. I can't remember the exact line. <laughs> when because... he says that um, he'll he'll have Rob's head on a spike or he'll give it to her. And she says, or maybe he'll bring me yours. <laughs> yes. Uh, I just remember. I literally got goosebumps too. just now. Because that was the moment when I was like, oh, she's a fucking fighter. She's not just like this kid who's stuck in this imperfect scenario. And that's when I was like, oh, she's like. Because I never, this is like controversial, I never super connected with Arya as much as I wanted to. And I, I love Arya. It's not a a dislike kind of thing. I just never quite felt in tandem with the stuff that she's doing. But for me, when, when Sansa said that, I was like, oh, she's kind of doing the thing that Arya is doing that people are really catching on to. It's just in a different way. So she's just, she's way more catty, but it's like, she's going to kind of do it verbally and Ari's going to do it more physically. And by the time the show's over, those two are my, my two favorite characters. And early on, I was like, I, I relate to Sansa's way of kind of dealing with her shitty scenario, which is being kind of a bitch via like verbal cues. But uh, I just remember that. And after hearing her say that, 
I was like, okay, <laughs> this is my girl. <laughs> well, it's yeah. I love that you picked Catelyn and Sansa because they're such divisive characters in mm-hmm. the fandom, where people so often hate them, and they're two of my favorites as well. I mean, Sansa is likely my second favorite character in the show, and and it's the same moment for me. Uh, specifically when she looks up at Joffrey and you know that she's thinking about pushing him off the battlements and she's gonna do it and then intro to one of my other favorite characters Sandor when he stops her because he knows because he's you know experienced that deep childhood trauma as well he knows what she's about to do and stops her and I love the fact that she doesn't push him off because Arya would have pushed him off and Sansa did not. 100%. And that speaks so much to who I like both of them are, which is one of them is going to learn how to control the situation through her wit and through her vocabulary and through these other tools that she's been possessed with. Whereas Arya would have been probably more physical and more, <laughs> you know, would have gotten herself into probably a lot more trouble. And Sansa has already learned from Cersei a little bit in this point of like, I've got to learn how to deal with my shit by being cunning. And I can, I can, you know, my sassiness can sneak through a little bit, but I've got to be careful with how I deploy it. So (laughs) that's when her character first really like crystallized for me. I've also identified much more with Sansa than Arya. Yeah. But I think that they're very much two sides of the same coin. Totally. they, They go about their own survival in completely different ways, but Neither of them, if put in the other's position, would have survived. Yes, until the end. They even say that, you know, mm-hmm. when in the what the seventh season when they're like standing on the the gates of Winterfell and they say like, "I wouldn't have survived what you did," and vice versa because they're so they have these again different skill sets. But that's why I love Sansa so much is because she learned it from her mother and Arya learned it from her father, and they're both kind of the continuations of those two characters' arcs. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's beautiful. I mean, I I absolutely agree. So then with Sansa, I think I'm curious, how do you feel about her full arc? And how do you feel as someone who identifies with that character to see her from episode one until the very last episode? I've definitely had my issues, not with her specifically, sometimes with her writing, um, you know, obviously I'm sensitive to some of the stuff that she was put through, but I felt very good <laughs> by the end of the, the last season of being like, I'm really glad I threw myself besides, behind Sansa <laughs> because I feel like she got honestly the most satisfying arc. I would say it's not even just because she's my favorite, but just genuinely what we've seen in terms of like empowerment and in terms of all the shit that she went through. She definitely, I think, got the happiest ending out of out of anybody. She got ex- exactly what she wanted in the end, which was to rule the North under her family's name, separate from everything. And it, it makes all of the hardships that came before that, it does make them feel worth it. And not to say that I ever want someone to have to feel like they have to be abused or, or hurt to be on top of their own storylines because I don't think that you need that to be strong but I think that she was strong in spite of that and that was really 
powerful to me and and watching her basically make amends with stuff and watching her be like the smartest bitch in this last season like she knew what was up the whole time she knew that danny was trouble (laughs) she knew that being you know that she knew that john was being foolish which is fine that's who john is (laughs) but she (laughs) she by the time the final season rolled around, she had such a good grasp on who everyone around her was because of what she learned. I think primarily from Cersei and Littlefinger learned how to read who everyone or in her orbit really was. So yeah, I felt like she had the most, for me, satisfying arc. And I feel emotional because I'm such a Catelyn fan. I saw Catelyn in so much of her storyline, you know? I saw Catelyn getting to be proud of like what she instilled in her kids especially Sansa she you know there's a lot to be made about the and this is I don't know if this is book spoiler or whatever but you know the Lady Stoneheart story plot line or whatever in the books a lot of people are upset that that didn't get incorporated and I was like oh it totally did get incorporated it was just in Sansa and Arya getting to be the kind of vengeful characters who who learn something and I think ultimately that's almost better than just like I think so too yeah yeah so yeah I really loved her plotline and I was really happy with how everything turned out honestly in the end I think as soon as like she said you know the north will remain independent I would just like cry (laughs) it's like I was like I don't know how much sense this makes in the grand scheme of everything and I don't fucking care I'm just so happy (laughs) that she gets she gets what she wanted and what she fought for. Not just what she wanted, but what the North wanted and what they've spent all these seasons working towards. So, yeah. Did you ever think, ever, did you ever think the final words of the series of Game of Thrones would be the Queen in the North? <laughs> no. And in fact, I didn't even realize that until later. And I saw someone tweet that, that the final <laughs> words were Queen of the North specifically related to Sansa and no one else and when I think about that I feel first of all very vindicated because I did love Sansa from a a long time ago and always felt like she was going to be very important and that she was the smartest person on the show so I felt vindicated but that's kind of selfish and whatever I mostly just felt joy (laughs) that (laughs) that this character who I love so much got that you know like what do you what else do we want from shows and from art and from everything is but to see like someone that we care about so much get everything that they worked hard for it was and she deserves it yeah i'm i'm so happy <laughs> and i'm i'm yeah. happy for a lot of reasons but i i again i do feel like her arc was the most in character throughout and sometimes to the detriment of others like i do feel like <laughs> there was attention paid sometimes to her where maybe it could have been used elsewhere. Selfishly, I don't care. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was really powerful for me. I also just love Sophie Turner. Can we like yeah, take a minute to amazing. be like Sophie Turner? Watching her like evolve, <laughs> dab. <laughs> watching her like evolve as an actress too. Not even just as a person, but as an actress. Because I thought she was good early on but I honestly feel like in these last two seasons she just like skyrocketed above everyone she just really like felt in tune with that character and fucking nailed it she's so good 
She's been amazing. It's been difficult for me, I think, because I... I know that you are obviously, as the world is, aware that I identify with John's character more than any other in the show, and that's deeply meaningful for me. But second is absolutely hands down Sansa, Yeah, where there are aspects of her that I don't identify with, but but more, you know, her experience, I absolutely do. And it's been difficult, I think, with um, so many of the difficult situation she's been put in you know the abuse and and the relentless trauma that it's hard when when people have been really upset about that and the fact that you know it's it's a it's an easy way out right like to have a woman experience trauma and then become strong as as a specific result of that is is a bit of a trope and women don't need to be assaulted to be able to be strong but I think that we've seen in so many other characters that that hasn't been necessary, right? I mean, we've yeah. seen Arya who hasn't been assaulted and and she's also, you know, so incredibly strong in such a different way. But um, it's been difficult to watch Sansa go through these things. But I think having experienced those things, right, yeah. like these specific traumas that she's experienced to experience that and see her succeed and be so powerful and recognize you know as she says with Sandor which that quote she said like without them you know I would still be a little bird um people were really upset thinking that it meant you know she was putting the source of her strength in her abusers which I didn't read it that way I definitely saw it as you know I'm strong in spite of them but uh, to see this happen and have her become such a powerful ass bitch in the end was like overwhelming to yeah. me too. Well, and to and to speak to that line because it has been a source of controversy. I think the controversy was less the sentiment and more kind of the wording, which is yeah. a fault sometimes of having male male all male writers is that. They're trying very hard <laughs> to express a point and maybe not like fully articulating it well. But her sentiment was something that I think any woman can relate to, which is that, you know, you can knock us down, but that only makes us stronger if we're able to find that power. And I think, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of good to be said of that, even if, again, even if it wasn't articulated well. And that's something that's been hard with her arc. You know, I feel like we, we can't talk about Sansa without addressing some of her con- more controversial adaptation choices, which of again course. was her, was them choosing to fill in the Jane Poole role with her, which was having her be abused by Ramsay, which is not in the books. I don't love that that was a choice that was made but I almost feel like the writers knew that that was a controversial choice that they made and tried to rectify it in the best way that they could (laughs) which was having her acknowledge it having it be a part of her story without dragging her down and trying to normalize it as much as they can you know I don't know if normalizing is the best word for rape but it is something that is a part (laughs) Of all of our stories in some way, all women's stories in some way. And I don't think that, I think as it went along, they handled that better than I think they did initially, which was never letting her forget it, which is something I think I, I would have preferred if they're, if you're going to do that, 
don't just do it and then have it never matter again, you know? And I don't think they did that. So I do respect that they made it a part of her and that they made her reconcile with it and that it did kind of feed all of her choices thereafter, you know? It, was, it wasn't it was just something that happened to her and that she was like, by the way, I'm fine. <laughs> it was like, no, yeah. I'm, I'm broken and this sucks. But it didn't kill me and it didn't ruin me forever. So, yeah, I think going after all of that, I was I was pretty okay with how it was handled thereafter. I don't know if I felt it was necessary, but I think they at least worked it into who she was in a way that I felt okay with. Yeah. I agree. And I think it it is a, again, controversial thing to say, but I think that having a character that we love so deeply... Um, experience something that so many women experience yeah is is yeah like you said it's almost kind of important in a way not normalizing it but but in a way but I saw something the other day like an article that said one in four women are raped so does that make it a normal experience in a fucked up way which is really difficult but I did also appreciate the way that it was handled moving forward in that it is something that she acknowledged. I think also the fact that it, like, for her, it was acknowledged as being rape. Whereas I, I can understand more people's controversies or more people's annoyances with the Cersei and Jamie thing, which they kind of tried to act like it wasn't rape afterwards. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, eh, okay. Whereas with Sansa, at least it was acknowledged that it was abuse. So that makes it marginally better. I know also, I do know some people's annoyance was that the scene chose to focus on Theon's reaction to it and not her own. And I can relate. I I can relate to that criticism. I was a little bit annoyed with that too. It is how it plays out in the book. So I think that's what they were kind of trying to be like adapting it in a way where it's Theon reacting to this horrible thing. And I, you know, it's not a male's thing to have to deal with in that moment. So I don't know if it was perfectly portrayed but I think, you know, shows, they have, every show has faults. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, for me, it's a big one, but it's not, it's not something that is detrimental to my acceptance of Sans as a character or what happens to her thereafter. So it's something I've had to make peace with as much as I can, but I can still recognize why people are upset with it. Well, I also, at least for me personally, the characters that I love most, because I am at heart a stark bitch, um, (laughs) the characters that I love most, I want to protect. And so I hated that happening to her because I do see some of myself in this character. And to see her experience something so traumatic is hard because I want so much to not have her experience that right like it's difficult because you want to protect her yeah it's it's upsetting for that and it is upsetting when you go back into that the starkness thing that we're talking about which is like the starks are our most sympathetic characters they're our heroes and so whenever we watch them harmed it's fucking heartbreaking (laughs) it's why like when i think of catelyn getting her throat slit just because she loved her son so much it's there's a lot that goes in into all of that. And watching the Starks be continuously just brutalized is part of what makes that finale so rewarding. Like, 
I have some of my, I have my issues with the final season, but the final moments with the Stark, the three remaining Starks, to me is one of the highlights of the whole show. Like just watching them get that validation in some way, even though it's bittersweet in a little, in a little bit, especially with John, knowing that it ends with the Starks feeling empowered is so cool. (laughs) I don't think I would have expected that. And I, I loved that. I didn't expect it, and it was overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm asking you this question now because it was for me, but did it feel personally redemptive for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I have talked about this for sure. We both relate to the Starks. You probably more so, but I also, the, those have been my peeps, you know? <laughs> those are my, we're both northerners <laughs> who were <laughs> yeah. orphaned and fucked up and, you know... <laughs> So I think being from the bitter cold <laughs> and like yeah. knowing that kind of displacement, everything that they've gone through, it did feel personal. It felt very like, yeah, just getting to to see them succeed in their own personal happiness. I know with John, it might not have been what people wanted him to have, which is like sitting on the throne and being perfect, but it's what he, a nightmare. but it's what he wanted. Like yeah. if you remember like two episodes before when he said, all I want is to go North and he, that's exactly what happens for him. So knowing that they each get exactly what they want. Yeah. When I say I relate to Sansa, I don't directly relate to her. I don't, I haven't had the same life experience I haven't been poised (laughs) to be a queen and had that ripped away from me. But I have, I think every young girl has this vision of who they're going to be someday. And it's perfect. You know, you think I'm going to be, whether or not it's a princess, you have a princess fantasy. And her having to like deal with the fact that that's, that's not her vision of her future is not what's going to happen, but that she can find her own version of that. You know, it's not perfect, but it's it's reality. It's a real version of that perfection. Definitely felt really hopeful to me. <laughs> Especially Arya also. I mean, I'm keeping a focus on Sansa because she's, you know, who I chose to talk about this time. Yep, but, but still. But yeah, that's what's the beauty of her story for me is like, it's not the future I would have visioned perfectly, but it's a version of that that is mine (laughs) you know yeah yeah well it's also impossible to talk about one stark without talking about the rest in one way or another yeah just even thinking (laughs) about sansa and john so weirdly i would not have pictured those two as being like the two starks that would have made me like their connection the most emotional but like i still think their reunion is my favorite stark reunion ever and it's because it's so surprising, you know? It's like, him and Arya, John and Arya re- reuniting is lovely, but we knew that that would be lovely, you know? But seeing him and Sansa just being this team in these last two seasons, and her, again, to bring it back to Catelyn, her reconciling with her mother's faults, you know, and learning to love this person because there's no reason not to, <laughs> is... It's great. And I feel like Catelyn would be so happy about that, you know, just knowing that, like, her kid was able to get over what she couldn't. It's wonderful. (laughs) No, she would have been so proud of her. But that's, I think that's another 
um sorry i'm crying my face (laughs) (laughs) just thinking about the the reunion with john and sansa it fucks me up every time because i mean john is my favorite and to know that sansa was his hope right yeah like just Sansa's existence when he thought that he was completely alone yeah. was what pushed him to to move forward. It's what pushed him to do all of the good things that he did after that point because he wanted to die. And, and <laughs> it to, was the hope of his family. And to get a little bit personal, since I know that's kind of Please, the point yeah. of this podcast, is that <laughs> I've had a broken family and sometimes the most the most satisfying coming togethers of your family is not with the people that you know that you have a connection with you know my sister and I are very close if I saw her tomorrow it would be emotional but it wouldn't be out of nowhere but if I saw one of my cousins who I'm kind of estranged with and we had a moment I think it would be that kind of emotion that John and Sansa have which is just this kind of out of nowhere feelings explosion (laughs) you know um, and I think anyone who's had broken families can relate to that a little bit, which is sometimes the people that you don't think are the people that you love so much are the people that you love so much. And you just need that random ass moment to remind you of that. So, well, yeah, I mean, when, you know, to think that they both thought that they were the only one. Yeah. They all assumed that the others were dead. And so there's this sense of, yeah, not having hope which is something that is at the core you know of all of us we need hope and so the moment that they see each other I think the fact that they are characters that weren't close made it that much that much more emotional yeah absolutely and again yeah to relate that to my own family I was raised with my cousin my older cousins as my siblings kind of (laughs) and we were never super close but knowing, like, if if the world was ending and I only had one of them, that would be <laughs> the same kind of thing, which I think is why that reunion scene just fucking wrecks me. Is <laughs> like, I know that that's how I would feel with one of my cousins who I was raised with, but raised with separate from a little bit, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So it really sticks with me. I'm sure you can relate to that, too. It's just like... The Starks are this kind of fractured family union, unit, I should say. And uh, by the end, they're the most strong <laughs> family union. Unit. Unit. <laughs> <laughs> this is what talking to thrones happens. You just start to no. get... <laughs> you start to get up in your feelings and you messing up words. <laughs> and then you can't say anything. Unit. No, it's... Not a word. <laughs> well, there's also the aspect of distance giving you more understanding like Sansa was very much Kat's daughter and so I'm certain that her distrust or dislike of John at least in part came from that right she looked to Catelyn yeah um and so to have distance from that and Sansa finally understands how important that connection is is it's overwhelming yeah I think at that point, too, Sansa knows that all of the people who would have judged her for loving John are gone, <laughs> which is kind of a fucked up part of that. But it is true also, which is like, 
There's no more, there's nothing else here guarding these emotions. It's literally just this flood of love because she's probably always loved him and just wasn't able to express that. So knowing that also, you know, that no one there is going to hold that against her is really powerful also. It's a big part of that. So now that we're both deep in our feelings, (laughs) when you think back on the show, is there a specific moment you think to as being the most moving to you? I mean... It doesn't have to be Sansa related. Yeah. What, like, fucked you up the most? (laughs) I mean, other than... I I would say, honestly, it's the Sansa John reunion. But if I had to think of, like, the scene... I think, actually, the scene that that wrecks me the most is when Arya leaves the Hound to die. Like, I think that just everything about that is... It's grounded in everything I love about this series, which is these people who have found a family in each other, but it's still so fucked up. (laughs) You know, it's not, it's not perfect. It's not like, oh, I love you. Like we've, we've been on the road together and suddenly we're friends and I'm going to do what you (laughs) want me to do. It's like, it's like I have found a companionship in you and I'm still a traumatized young person who isn't going to give you what you want. (laughs) And it's so real. I think that might be my favorite scene in all of Game of Thrones. And and one that really screws me up. (laughs) When he's just begging her to kill him and she won't do it. (laughs) And she just walks off because she knows, first of all, it'll weaken herself. She knows she doesn't want to kill him. And that will be hard for her. But she also knows killing him would give him what he wants which is too easy for the kind of character that she is. And he knows that he wants her to kill him, but I also think maybe he doesn't. It's There's so many layers of, like, characterization going on there. At least, like, ten different things happening at once. And that's what I love about Game of Thrones. Like, that's the, the pure <laughs> Game of Thrones-y shit that I love is, like, moments happening and you don't know what you want to happen and you don't know who you're even rooting for and you don't mm-hmm. you don't know and they don't know and that's yeah that's my my pick <laughs> was that impossible choice what fucked you up the most yeah yeah i think the anything where it's character stuff based in this gray area you know that's what I love about Game of Thrones. Honestly, until until the later seasons, if someone had asked me who my favorite character was, I would have not had an answer. That's what I love about Game of Thrones. I never had a like favorite. I had maybe scenes and shit that I liked, but I never had like a favorite character. I never had someone I was rooting against or for. I just liked watching all of these messed up people like screw with each other. <laughs> and I think that's like I love Tywin, knowing he was a terrible person. Like He's amazing. Yeah, he was wonderful. And I, I didn't want him to win, but I also kind of did. Like, it was... That's, like, what that show would do to you in the beginning, for especially. The Hound is a great... I think The Hound is, like, the character who throughout you felt that way about. Is like, you just never knew. Do I want him to win? <laughs> do I want him yeah. to kill his brother? <laughs> do I want him to die? Do I want him to live? Like, I don't fucking know. And... That was so exciting. And I think that's also why I love Catelyn so much is like, do I hate her or do I love her? 
I think I just feel very strongly about her either way. <laughs> and that's like my draw to her. Well, we've also both uh, off podcast <laughs> talked about our uh, love of Cersei. Mm-hmm. So I know that we both love a complicated character who's experienced trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> love her so much. So much. She's another one who it's I mean, my feelings about Sandor are similar in that, like, I love characters that have experienced early childhood trauma and have sort of tried to figure out ways to overcome that in their own way. And I think Sandor is so complicated and wonderful. I love him so much. Yeah, me too. And he's so and he's so tied to the Stark sisters like we've talked Mm -hmm. about. He's like the one person who they both feel these really deep things for in different ways, but in the same way. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And he's very tied to like so much of this series. Like he's tied also to like Cersei and the Lannisters and, and, and everything. I think he's, I always try to pick, I don't know if this is like a part of what you want this podcast to be, but I was going to name my like five (laughs) favorite characters and i feel oh like, i'm in i want to hear yeah, it yeah i feel like for me it would be sansa catlin brienne the hound sandor and Arya. it's so weird i would have not had Arya on that list until this last <laughs> season i think Arya and cersei are maybe tied for me but i think it's Arya. yeah so that's my my top five is, like, all these people who kind of have these fucked up relations to one another, which is, like, all these I mean, women who are complicated <laughs> plus the hound. <laughs> is there anything you think that those characters all had in common? I think Sansa, obviously we've talked about Sansa and Catelyn already. I think Brienne's dedication to them and her willingness to service women who are powerful to her and learning that it doesn't just have to be in service to men is really important to me and then Arya feels like she's kind of connected to that whole thread as well and then Sandor just because he (laughs) ties into that and also from what we said he's just so gray that he could be in any situation and I think we'd be like cool with it (laughs) and that's so fascinating to me you know he could be hanging out with Jamie or he could be hanging out with Tywin or he could be hanging out with like Ramsey and you'd be like oh, I get it <laughs> you know so... <laughs> maybe not Ramsey but... <laughs> but no I think he'd find Ramsey to be a real cunt yeah he would have fucking like <laughs> murdered Ramsey but... <laughs> he'd be like oh you fucked with my girls guess what <laughs> I know he's one of dads yeah. but it just make me think of um What's her name? Asha, who's, like, one of my other favorite... She's, like, my favorite, like, mini character, because she's so cool. And also a Stark protector. (laughs) Also a Stark protector. And she's just also Tonks from Harry Potter, so she rules. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't get that reference, but someday I will. Someday I'm going to make you watch Harry Potter. I'm going to, like, glue your eyeballs open, and we're going to watch them all at once. And you're going to love it. (laughs) That's how I want to do it. And you're going to be like, oh, a lot of these characters are in Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to love it, and I'm sure I'll have a lot of, like good young childhood trauma feelings about it i I definitely i definitely do so i'm sure you will also (laughs) (laughs) it's so weird the show ended a week ago right it's so strange with this as a whole 
Is there anything that the show or these characters in the show that you love or hate, whatever, even though I know that we're both kind of like gray area with everyone, mm-hmm. there's, aside from Marin Trant, everybody is kind of fair game for me. <laughs> Has the show like made you realize anything about yourself? Uh, have there been any weird revelations while watching it or like things that you really enjoyed or disliked and then realized that they were a part of you? Yeah, to veer almost completely away from what we've been talking about, because we have not mentioned this character at all, but I feel like Daenerys has been a character that, not even just within the context of the show, but within the discussion of the show, has made me look inward in a lot of ways. You know, I was one of the people that was kind of upset about her transition into an quote-unquote mad queen Not so much in that I didn't think that she was going to end up that way, but more in the kind of road that led her there and my lack of faith in it. But the conversation around that is really, you know, I I had women of color telling me, well, why would you not think that she's evil? She's a colonizer. I've had men tell me, you know, well, here's the warning signs, which I don't agree with but (laughs) um (laughs) I've had a lot of different people speak things to my reaction of that that have really made me think about just my whole relationship with the show honestly which because she's such a a central character so I don't know if that fully answers your question but I I would say she's the character I'm going to have to reconcile with for a long time, probably, before I know how I fully feel about that, how I feel about my own interpretation of that. I I think her arc is going to sit with me for a long time, and I'm going to continue to learn things from it and from the meta-conversation around it, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, I was a person who felt satisfied at it happening like I understood it and wasn't upset about it but I was upset about the reaction to it if that makes sense I thought that there was a lot of ignorance I had I mean I had again I know this is a personal podcast so I feel okay sharing this I had people tell me you don't understand mental illness because you you didn't agree with her storyline And I know you know that for me, I have bipolar disorder. I am well acquainted with mental illness and being told that I don't understand that because I said that I didn't like the trajectory of this character hurt me. Honestly, it really upset me because I was like, no, my point of having issues with this comes from the perspective of somebody who doesn't like watching women painted as mad just because they have issues or or I don't like that she just flips and does this stuff with not a lot of build up. So it's coming from a sympathetic point of view. Whether or not I think what the show did was okay is even different from just like how people read my own reaction to that which I think should be valid no matter what <laughs> which is like I'm coming to this from the perspective of a mentally ill woman watching the way people are talking about mentally ill women and it upsets me and I I think that's fair so that was kind of that was when I kind of had to back away from Twitter a little bit which was like I don't even care if people liked what happened to her or disliked it 
it's beyond that for me. It's more to the conversation of don't tell me that because I had a negative reaction that I'm unsympathetic to mental illness or vice versa, you know? Like, it's such a sensitive topic for so many women. And I think that's why that Daenerys quote-unquote reveal was hard for a lot of people. It was like you have to apply your own stigmas or your own experience or whatever to this thing that's being foisted upon you. So... I think, again, that's why I say that's one of those things I'm going to have to think about and and deal with for a long time. And I like that. (laughs) Like, I like that a show makes me have to feel that way. Because I don't just want something that, like, presents it to me in such an easily comprehensible way, you know? Like, I want to Mm -hmm. chew on it a little bit. But the noise around it was what was hard for me. Yeah. Danny, how dare you make me feel this (laughs) way? How dare you put me in my feelings? (laughs) I agree 100%, which I'm sure you saw coming. But I think for me, I'm a full-time student in clinical mental health counseling. And I've also, you know, battled with mental illness in the past. Like, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. And there's so much stigma related to mental health. And for me to see that so many people immediately jumped to she's mentally ill, she's crazy, she's mad, she's evil was sort of shocking to me because I don't think any of those things are true. Like, I don't think that Danny is mentally ill. I don't either. And that's why when people are like, oh, were you so surprised that she'd turn into the mad queen? I'm like, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised girlfriend would turn around and be like hostile. I don't think she's mad. If you want to apply that fucking label to her, you have to look at every man on the show who has done yep. similarly destructive things out of nowhere, like Tywin, like John. honestly. Like, there are yep. men who have done Rob, killed Karstark. You know, there's are people who have acted irrationally, men who have acted irrationally, and no one ever called them mad. <laughs> so it's like, I don't think the show was even necessarily calling her mad. But I, I think, the conver- again, the meta conversation around that was what was more frustrating to me almost than the actual show. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah that, was, that was what was shocking to me was that it happened. And I loved it, honestly, because Danny is such a complex character. And yeah. I've... I've never found myself drawn to her character. Me neither. Or identifying with her. Besides last season. It. You know, you, you yeah. and I last season were like... Oh, we want to watch her get that butt. (laughs) I definitely identified with her there because I would also like to check out those two scoops of Kit Harrington. Yeah. And that butt temple. Um, We're all about that. (laughs) Not mad at that. But I've never identified with her character. Yeah, me neither. Um, uh, But it's funny rewatching it because there's so many scenes that she has that are amazing where I do, like, feel empowered by her. But I... I've come to appreciate her character so much more after the last two seasons because I think that they've added layers of complexity into, like, her thought process, who she is, what is important. Like, I just think that those things made her far more interesting. Yeah. But I think, it has been the reaction that has made me really angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there's stuff textually that I will have to also reconcile with. But I do think that there are things leading up to her turn. I don't know that it worked out perfectly for me, which is fine. 
you know, I don't mm-hmm. think anything's going to work out perfectly for anybody. I don't know that, and it's a product of this fast forwarded last few seasons and it's no one's fault. <laughs> and I've learned to make peace with that is just like, that's a product of a show that has been shoved into this position where it has to end things without really a template and without much time to do it. So I've tried to make peace with that. I have some issues again, because it aligns with female mental illness. I will say the fucking heartbreak and I haven't gone back and rewatched anything, but I saw like our friend Kim Renfro posted that gif of, uh, of Danny and Missande where they say, you know, Valor Magulis, like all men must die. And then she says, we are not men. Watching that knowing they both die is fucking tragic to me. And I love that tragedy because that is goes back into the show's ugliness, you know, of just like, oh, these things that you think are going to be empowering aren't. <laughs> and it's so upsetting to me. I don't know how I feel about that yet because it's so fresh still, you know, just like, yeah. ugh, this, these things that I thought were going to feel so important are now just like, fucking knives in the back you know um so that's kind of where i'm at with danny's storyline but i don't know that i'll feel that way forever it's just again it's still so fresh so i'll ask you again in 10 years yeah <laughs> when this podcast when cry wolf is 10 years old please come back and be like how do you feel and i'll be like i don't fucking care about danny i hope she burns <laughs> Well, I do still find, I mean, I find a lot of power in the, but we are not men statement. And I, I will forever. Same, but that's what I mean. Like the heartbreak is that mm-hmm. that line still is important, but just knowing that to them, it's not applicable in the end is fucking awful. <laughs> but it's but just, they also got so much farther. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's applicable in some ways. I just mean like to their end game, it's not applicable. And that's just the heartbreak of the show you know <laughs> it's like i thought of a i i knew um that you were likely going to talk about sansa and catlin today yeah. of course <laughs> that's um, who i am <laughs> and so i was thinking a lot about sansa today and i can't remember the exact line but um jamie and brienne talking when jamie had assumed that Sansa was dead and he said that and Brienne asked why and Jamie says in my experience girls like her don't um don't make it very long or don't live too long and Brienne says like I don't think you know many girls like her that's sort of what I think about when I think of but we are not men yeah you know you would you would think that Danny who went through so much who literally began the show as you know a, a a slave, right? Yeah. Essentially. She was, um, yeah, yeah. She survived. And Missande as well. Like, they both survived so much and so much longer than one would have expected if you were to see where they started off. That the But We Are Not Men line still really resonates with me, even in their storylines, despite the fact that it is bittersweet as fuck because they both die. Um, it still resonates really deeply with me because they still lived, like, big lives. Yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. That's what I that's what I mean is like the potency of a line like that is that it, it's not just one thing, you know, it's not just we are not men, aka we're gonna die. It's like we still <laughs> lived strong lives and then died where the men in our lives that we didn't think would live did. So there's 
there's a whole kind of, there's a lot going on (laughs) in a quote like that. Again, speaking to what I love about Game of Thrones is that one line means 20 different things at once and makes you think about 20 different things at once. So, yeah, I'll still be reconciling with a lot of that. And I still don't know that I love what happened to Danny, but I've learned to live with it. And I'm excited to, especially with Con of Thrones coming up, I'm excited to talk about these things with some distance and with some perspective on the whole show and the whole series that came before it, because I'm sure there's a lot telegraphing that, that we can talk about then. So also I'm on the Sansa panel and it's going to (laughs) rule. It's going to be so easy. We're just going to be like Sansa rules and her arc in the last season was awesome. Everyone let's just go to the bar. Let's just go to the bar and cry about this. I was so excited when I got my con schedule to see that none of the panels I'm on conflict with that one. So yeah. I'm going to be there in the front row crying well, about it all does, my Sansa feelings. It does conflict with Nick's uh, major Q&A, but whatever. Well, sorry, Nick. I think you're wonderful. You're a true hashtag daddy, but we're not men. So I'm yeah. going to be crying about Sansa. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad. I'm really excited about that one just because I think the people on it also are people that love her. I also purposely did not choose to be on the Danny or Jamie panels and I'm so happy. <laughs> Jamie was, it's, I just realized I gave my top five and Jamie wasn't on there. Very impressive. And he would have been on there this season before. That'll be a whole separate thing we can talk about. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> it's weird how those things I think change yeah. over the years too because it's, yeah. Oh, I don't know. The people that I've loved, I've kind of loved from the beginning. Oh, but, if you, you asked know, me back I, in season you know three, me. I would have been like, Renly, Marjorie. <laughs> <laughs> Renly's still one of my favorite characters because he's super gay and I love him. I love, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know that I am, again, a Stark through and through, so I'm a loyal bitch yeah. who loves real hard. So I essentially was like, these are my favorites. This is where I am. <laughs> <laughs> And they have stayed. <laughs> I mean, no, honestly, when the Starks, you, I called you after the finale. I was just knowing that the Starks got that moment. I was just like, Sam's going to be so happy and also sad because <laughs> John's story is sad. But I think it's perfect, though. I think, I think it think is, too. Having, I mean, this this isn't about me, but we're going to talk. <laughs> it's Please, it's yeah. been interesting to have so many people who wanted John or Sansa, like, quote unquote, sitting on the throne because neither of them wanted it. No, like, I think know. Th- it would be a bigger life sentence for either of them to be stuck in King's Landing for the rest of their lives. That's, and that's what I'm c- trying to come to terms with. Again, we're so fresh off the finale. So anyone listening, <laughs> it's like we're working through our feelings still. <laughs> Literally but a week ago. <laughs> I, yes, but I'm still trying to learn how to be okay with Bran because at first uh, <laughs> we're all like, Bran? <laughs> But the more I think about it, I've heard people say he's more of a symbol than he is a person. And yeah. so what he represents is the Starks, their perseverance, also history, and also, like, I don't know, whatever the fuck else Brad represents. But <laughs> he's he's less the king and more the symbol so that the small council can rule. So more that... Tyrion and Brienne and Davos. Like when I think about that small council, I get choked up because uh, it's like all my faves so minus Bronn. I don't get that, I but know. okay. What the fuck? <laughs> so I'm still kind of pissed. I'm like, remember when you were gonna like kill Tyrion? Okay. Um, 
And remember how you're also like notoriously bad with money? Why are you the master of coins? <laughs> but um <laughs> It's always been a bullshit job. And I know. we know it. <laughs> it's and it's funny in the end, it's whatever. Just that Bran is like the symbol and that the Starks Yeah, they they all get these beautiful storylines. And John's storyline, honestly in the books, I wanna say around book like three which I'm excited for you to read the books because me too. You're gonna be so in John's head, and he became. I didn't give a shit about John until like the fifth book, and suddenly I was like, I love you so much. Um, but I got this like impression of like, all I want for you is to fuck off from all this nonsense and to just live up north. Also, as an Egret fan, who is another one of my favorites, knowing that he just basically gets to, like, live up with her people gets me really emotional. I know. Yeah. Well, one of my classmates, because it's been really fun this last week, I was even, I was out yesterday, no, the day before, and people kept coming up to me and being like, I know that (laughs) you probably don't want to talk about this, but I have to ask you about Game of Thrones. It happened so many times. It was really funny, and people were shocked that I liked it. And so one of my classmates too was like, it's bullshit that John isn't the one ruling. And I asked her to stop and think about the last time she remembered in the series, John being happy, like genuinely happy. And she stopped for a minute and then was like, Oh fuck. (laughs) It was like, it was in the cave with Egret. Yeah. 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 It's when they're literally like making out on the wall. It was like his last true happiness. Yeah. As a redhead, again, so happy. <laughs> also, there's some like weird Oedipal stuff now that I think about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> that John like wanted to make out with someone who kind of looks like Catelyn. Anyway, <laughs> just to tie this all back around. <laughs> You're making it way more psychology based than even I did. So I gotta get very, I'm very Freud. impressed. <laughs> try (laughs) i know no i loved it but i do think that they all got endings that were fitting for them and in my own headcanon the starks still meet up like every year for christmas or whatever the equivalent holiday is for them and hang out and drink and john has a bunch of like goofy redheaded children with some hot wildling and it's great i'm fine with that i almost just said something which is kind of book spoilery but he kind of has a I don't know. There's girls in the book who could fulfill Val. his wife. Val, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Val might I be I haven't girl. read the books, but I know enough. <laughs> you can cut that out be. if that's too spoilery. But yes, <laughs> I do feel like Val might just be his end game. I can't She's wait. not a redhead. She's a blonde. <laughs> <laughs> we can dye her hair. Yes. Maybe some weirwood leaves. It's been, I don't know. This is so lovely. Yes. I'm honestly, I know that I've said it maybe off podcast and a little on podcast, but I'm like legitimately honored that that you get to be my first guest and that yes. you wanted to come talk about your feelings with me. I'm so happy. I'm sorry if I rambled. I, I just, love rambling. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I don't know how many feelings I have about something until I'm just like nah, 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 <laughs> talking about it's, it. So It's understandable. And this is such a big thing. Like it's, it's been, I know that. It's probably going to be like this in every podcast uh, that I I have feelings about the person. But I mean, you've you've legitimately like inspired me to do this as a whole. And so it's made me really happy. And when I think of 
When I think back on my experience with Game of Thrones and watching it, I know that I identify so much with the Starks because they they are a family and that's first, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's so important and you and I I know are both so uh, we both recognize that your chosen family is as important, if not more important, than your blood family. And you're that for me. And so when I think back on, I know that I've told you this before, but when I think back on Game of Thrones and my favorite moments during the series, still my favorite moment of all time will be in <laughs> in Winds of Winter when Sansa and Arya are standing and talking about, <laughs> talking about, Ned and themselves and how much they appreciate each other that we were both weeping and reciting the, <laughs> the lone the wolf, wolf dies but the, the pack survives <laughs> and we I were was crying <laughs> I was like weeping like an idiot and Lindsay was holding me and it was like it's honestly for me when I think back like the perfect Game of Thrones moment to have you there with me to see something and feel something so personally moving it's just honestly it's meant the world to me yeah same that was a really important moment for me as well and just knowing that like I don't know that (laughs) I almost got emotional right now and you know me that's rare for me but um yeah knowing that like inside of this this great big machine of like a pop culture thing that I've gotten all of these beautiful friendships and gotten these found families. Like I don't have a close relationship with my own family and it sucks, <laughs> but knowing that I have a close relationship with all of these fucking weirdos <laughs> who love the show <laughs> is like, how do you match that? You know? And that's what scared me about when I knew that the show was coming up to its close was like, I know that these friendships will exist. I don't know if they'll ever exist with such, you know, so much love because it's all like blooming out of us in lots of ways. (laughs) A lot of it's not positive, but you know, all this passion was kind of coming up at once. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited and anxious for the future, but you know, no one is ever really gone. Oh my god. Just me and Sam's really, thing. I'm already crying. <laughs> which brings it, yeah, we always say no one, which is both Arya and Star Wars, which is my thing. So, and Sam Sweet loves Ray. Last Jedi. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's true, though. It's no true. one is ever really it's, gone. I know. Yeah. And to, I mean, yeah, Game of Thrones has obviously like completely changed my life and it has given me so many amazing things. And like I said, you're at the very top of that list. It's been so I mean, to say that it's been so lovely or like <laughs> a gift is such an understatement, but to meet someone else, just another you know, wonderful little no one. has <laughs> been. Well, our fellow, I feel like I'm Sansa, you're Arya. I feel like that's like our <laughs> weird little. Maybe I'm just being hair colory here. But, <laughs> but I'll it's be so Arya. I'm shorter and weirder. So. <laughs> also, you'd kill a bitch. <laughs> For you, I would. Yeah. And I would kill a bitch. I would just like have someone else do it for me 
Okay, let's wrap this up and we're going to go offline and then talk about who we're going to murder and why and how we're going to go about doing it together. (laughs) I love you. I love you so much, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being my first guest on this podcast. I hope it was fun. It was so fun. Thank you for having me. No, thanks, Game of Thrones. Now you're stuck with me for the rest of your life. (laughs) 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 Woo-woo! Thanks one million times over to Lindsay for being the very first guest on the show and just being all around wonderful. Don't forget to follow her on Twitter at Lindsay Romaine, and you can find me there as well at CryWolfPod or email me at CryWolfPod at gmail.com with any questions. I want to give an extra huge thank you to Frank OK for the beautiful logo and to Kyle Guybe for the perfect theme song for the podcast. They're both amazing. Thanks again for listening, and remember, no one is ever really gone, but you should still tell your friends you love them. (laughs) See you next time.